that stuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up the answer. <laughs> to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other two and a mic are just along for the ride. Tyler, say what's up. What's up? Candy Sesh 2.0. This is this is pretty cool. Right? We're officially family now. Like, this is family <laughs> the pod territory now, Jared. Oh, yeah. We're locked in. We're locked in. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, so we're just going to chit-chat with you for a little bit. We're finally live on Instagram. We got that figured out. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're, we're, we're out there and about. But tell us, how do you feel about your 2022 season? Because I have, I have some thoughts myself. Um, I mean, I did better than I thought I was going to. Um, I really wasn't focused on the whole stats aspect and things like that. I just wanted to do what I could to help the team win games. And, um, I mean, based off my stats, I did so. But I was just – my goal was to just go out there and have some fun, not really – worry about much, not be stressed out too much, just go out there and play baseball. So like when you're doing that, like I, I love that mentality. And so I'm not, I'm not dogging on you when I ask this question. So like you're mm -hmm. going out there doing your thing. How do you go from start to start? How do you figure out what's the next start that you're going to work on or be good at, or do a little bit better than the last time? Um, It'd be, it would all depend on how I did that past game. Um, whether I'm struggling with curveballs, getting those over for strikes, or same thing with all my other pitches, but it all depends on the situation. And I use that week in bullpens and even in catch play to just work on uh, getting my curveballs over for strikes and really making sure I'm comfortable with that pitch before going into next start. Because if I can be strong with that going into next start, with especially with a different scouting report, you know, it's. Mm -hmm. I'm able to get ahead in certain counts and then be able to keep myself in counts because I'm able to land that first strike or I'm able to throw that for an out pitch, but it all depends. Uh, it all depends game to game, yeah. which pitch or honestly, which situation, whether I make an error, then I'll try to focus more on the fielding aspect and PFPs and try to make sure that's locked down. So then I can feel my position in the game and I don't have to rely on anybody else to get that out. If it's hit to me, you know? Right. Yeah, we can only rely on Braden Ward so so much. <laughs> oh yeah, the dog. <laughs> no. The dog. <laughs> no, I love that. I mean, that's yeah. You're not worried about the stats, but you're still worried about your performances and how does that correlate to the next outing, the next thing you're doing. That all the main focus of that next week. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, and then bigger picture. You know, you you get through the season. I think you. I think you found consistency. I, I think we can definitely say that. I'm sure you'd say that. You know, for the most part, you found a groove, um, but you look back on the entire season and, and what were you going into this off season, really trying to work on whether it's, it's some specific things or, or kind of that greater mindset, just things that you're trying to continue developing. What were the focuses as you, as you approach the off season? Uh, probably my main focus is just making sure I stay on my routine um, because whenever I get back home and I'm pretty sure every baseball player goes through this or any athlete in general, just you get back home and then you're finally home. You're like, okay, like, <laughs> I get to do, you know, I get to have a little bit more time to do things. But then when you get back to working out, back to throwing, you kind of have to find that routine again. And sometimes you forget where you were at when you left. So mm -hmm. if I can if I can keep that routine and stay consistent during the off season, then I could just carry that into the regular season and then 
I don't have to think about doing those things. It just happens. Yeah. That's that's the hardest thing for me. Like I'm just be, trying to be a functioning adult right now and <laughs> trying to get my workouts in while in between work and parenting and all that kind of stuff. And I haven't done it in a week. And I was like, all right, so when am I going to find this time to get that routine again and actually mm-hmm. set to it? Because I was I was solid. I was doing fantastic. Like right after Christmas to about a week ago, I was like, all right, I'm good. I got this down. <laughs> I got the routine. I got this Tuesdays from three to four. We're good. And then a little hitch in all of it and then getting back into it is all right. I got to just do it and find it and make that part of the actual routine, even if it's not the routine, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just getting back, getting back into it. Just yeah. make sure you stay on it. Yeah. I, get I feel that. that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So last year I was, I was stat looking last year, not, not too crazy, but what I was impressed by you. And I think I mentioned it to you when last time we talked and kind of what you were just talking about, like you want to give your team the best possible chance to win. And that's something that you carried into you threw 105 innings pitched in 19 games, which I was looking at the rest of the prospects. We had one, two, three, four, five, about five other guys that went a hundred plus, but none of them did it in less than 20 games. And we kind of miss the starting pitching going five, six innings like we used to see all the time. Seeing Justin Berlander throw 100 the ninth inning. Those those days are gone. Yeah. How much pride, how much part of your game really goes into that just grinding it out, that five to six inning kind of stone milestone for you? Oh, I mean, for me, it's just it's just the mentality I have. Um, I mean, I'm a competitor. I just like competing. So being able to make adjustments mid game and or even mid at bat to try to get guys to roll over and hit the ball on the ground or hit it up or even after I walk a guy like a lot of times I feel like pitchers will walk guys and they'll get they'll get kind of stressed because they're not comfortable going out of the stretch. But if you train yourself to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, then you'll be able to go out there and then just perform and it be like I said, like it'll be second nature, Mm -hmm. you know, so. It was just, I don't know. It's just how I how I am as a person. Just going out there and competing, and always trying to find a way to win. Whether I walk four or five guys, I walk a couple guys, but I I'm able to get out of that jam and executing pitches when I need to. Yeah, that mentality. I love that mentality. Like I miss the dogs. Like <laughs> Kyle Kyle Freeland's the guy. The the guy on the big league squad that is he's gonna fight. He's gonna give you every inch that he possibly has every single Audi, no matter what and kind of everything you just kind of explained i can see in kyle freeland in his starts like he might not have it in the third third inning or so but he's going to find a way to try to get out of it to come back that next time it's just that dog mentality it's just it's so much fun it's underappreciated i think in today's game and so i'm pretty stoked that you're going to be not putting it out there but i am up in hartford's hopefully and i actually get to watch you pitch and do your thing it's i'm, I'm stoked for those days yeah man i appreciate it really appreciate it it's gonna be fun. yeah it, it seems like you have the, that process part down i think any any athlete who's really trying to put it all together like would would give a lot of credit to a process who whether it's a teammate or a coach or someone who's who's not in the organization who do you uh, you know kind of bounce those ideas off of who do you maybe credit to to helping you just really stay laser focused like that um, I mean, I'm blessed enough to be around, to be around guys during the off season and in season. Um, but I'd have to say during the off season, uh, 
especially last last offseason, I had the privilege to throw with um uh, with uh, a Pirates pitcher, uh starting pitcher. His name's Dwayne Underwood. And I threw with him and he helped me out with my slider grips and how to get how to get down the mound properly or like when it comes to routine and even sometimes life lessons, just kind of bouncing bouncing ideas around off of them. And it's not necessarily bad, you know, bad life lessons, but you know, being an athlete, mm-hmm. you know, in today's world and trying to navigate that with also trying to grow in faith, you know, with uh, you know, Jesus Christ and stuff like that. So it's just trying to just trying to expand off that. And then I don't know, man, it's it's really helped. And then also being around Jordan Alvarez, um, Randy Rosarena working out back here, I'm able to kind of ask them what they look for in pitchers so that maybe I can incorporate that into my game to where like, okay, this is what these big leaguers are looking for. Then, okay, I can try to come down off of that so I can yeah. go out there and compete. You know, yeah, I I don't because that was I I, cool. I was a really profound answer, and I'm glad that you were able to to really throw a lot of substance out there. So I don't want to go aside from that, but did you face like Alvarez and Rosarena and, and lives? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean I faced That's... I didn't I didn't get to face them in lives, but I got okay. to face uh, Adolis Garcia and a few high prospects that are like up and down from the big leagues. But um, it was crazy. Uh, like you'll throw borderline changeups that you normally get swings on that they take, and then you make a mistake pitch and they really make you pay for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, they had the rap Soto out. Uh, I, I don't want to put out the, you know, how far it went, but he hit it one one thirteen <laughs> off the bat. Adolis, so I really don't want to <laughs> say I mean, too much on that. <laughs> you're not the only one that he did that to though, either. Yeah, so <laughs> dude's a freak. And his story yeah. is absolutely incredible too. Do, mm-hmm. do you look at his story a little bit and like his, his timeline to get there as kind of motivation? Cause you're a D2 cat. Like you, mm-hmm. you have your, you have your, your work cut out for you. Right. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really haven't looked too much into, you know, his, uh, his background or anything yeah. like that. It's just cool to see that, like, whenever I am struggling with something in baseball, they go, hey, you know, I understand. I was I was there, too. Like, a lot of people look at big leaguers as, oh, you know, they're big leaguers, that they're, you know, they're the best in the world, which is true. But you don't realize what they what they deal with off the field or what they deal mm-hmm. with, you know, inside their own heads. You know, it is pretty cool to see that these grown men are kind of kind of trickling it down so we can understand and that we can advance not only as – baseball players but as men as well yeah that's huge i i mean i i kind of had a day like that in my in my daytime job it was a very emotional day and it was everybody's everywhere and checking on your people i I sent out a few texts after my day and just that gets part in that gets lost all the time and just athletes you're an athlete so you got it you're good there's you have no trials you have no tribulations but who are you talking to? Who are you checking on? Who's checking on you? And like the fact that you mentioned those kind of life lessons and growing into mm-hmm. your faith and just where yeah. the next step beyond throwing a baseball that that that's all connected. I think if you're a better mm-hmm. human, you're going to be better at your craft and whatever it is. And finding absolutely. that balance is super important. And Yeah, absolutely. And it's just what's really helped me is, um, you know, I'm, I thank my girlfriend for this and just helping me rekindle my faith with you know, with God. And it's like, I'm learning and I'm still learning to this day. You know, nobody's perfect. Right. Um, I read the Bible is every day. I, you know, I try to, 
you know, the days get get ahead of us sometimes, but making that concerted effort and having that conviction to do so will not just change change you as a person, but you know, you start to see things in a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's so important to have that perspective and being able to see things from different different ways and and it's grounding too. Like if you have that routine, whether it's faith or not, it's something that that routine. It's super important. It's it's very valuable that I think it's lost a lot. So like yeah, just absolutely. respect to you for that as a human and doing that thing. That, that's cool. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. So I mean, on a lighter note, did you get those Travis Scotts? Or did you get those mochas yet? Last time we talked, it was about the shoes. It's like you had that one pair. Did you grab them yet? Uh, I mean, I didn't get an opportunity to, but it is <laughs> no. what it is, you know. Okay. But <laughs> it happens. I mean, there will be other opportunities. I hope. I hope, but we'll see. We'll see. That's good. That's good. Did you happen to see these Hartford Yard Goats type dunks that came out? No, I haven't actually. Let me see if I can get this figured out. I haven't even seen these yet. I I know you posted the link in in our little. Okay, I see them. Hey, we got to get those up there. Right. <laughs> Is Mike getting it for me? There we go. So the they're not yard goats, but they have the yard goats colors there. Okay. They yeah, they got the the suede leather, SB the the SBs. So I'm just saying, <laughs> when that comes, no, that might that that might not have to go with the. <laughs> That might be an on-field joint, maybe, you know, right. in between starts. I don't know. See, that would be it. I mean, you and Chris Chris Dino, Manager Dino out there in the, in the matching dunks there, it'd be, mm-hmm. hey. it might not be a bad idea. Just saying. I'll take it. I'll take it. That's a good <laughs> yeah. picture. Yeah, I like those. And then there was – I also saw these. I'm, I'm not telling my wife about them, but they're the, – <laughs> it's the Colorado – it's pretty much the Colorado Rockies colorway. They're dropping tomorrow. The SBs is on the sneakers app, so I'm sure you got that downloaded. That you're dropping oh, I, tomorrow. I do. I do. I'm, I'm gonna take <laughs> some, look, look at that colorway. The, they're the SBs. It's a little extra comfort in there. Those were those are nice too. My ball in those, but I'm trying to ground myself a little bit too, and <laughs> not not looking at the sneaker app a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you can get lost out there. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets it gets tough out there, <laughs> but. Um, all right, let's end it real quick, Jared. 15 minutes is up, and I appreciate you giving us your time. What are some of your goals for 2024? Oh, just come in with the same mentality I had last year. Just uh, stay on my routine and just really make sure that I'm doing what it takes in order for me to give 100% out there on the baseball field for not just myself, but for the guys behind me and the guys in the lineup. You know, uh, after all, it's not really about me, it's just putting up zeros and helping the team and the org, you know, produce winners and help guys get to the next level. And that's pretty much my goal. Nothing too big, nothing really too small. I love that. Let's keep it, keep it in perspective, right? And keep, keep oh, yeah. grinding, keep doing your thing. And it's going to speak for itself sooner or later, right? Yes, sir. I love yeah, that. Day by day. We're, we're out here. We'll be, we'll be in your corner, you know, each, each start. We'll, we got you. Yes, sir. I appreciate yeah. that. Appreciate yeah, that. Seriously, can't wait to watch it. Appreciate you hopping on. Enjoy your 24th season and just go do work. Keep grinding and we got you on our end. Of course. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks, Jared. All right. Jared Candy. That was awesome. Love that. Yeah, just... he's, he's, he is a dog, truly. Um, and yeah, just I don't know how, how many people tuned in saw our first uh, banter session with them. Started off, I think everyone, you know, is a little bit more reserved at the beginning. 
you know, he, he really is one of the most grounded players that we've gotten to talk to. Um, so I, I'm glad we got to have him reiterate kind of his mindset. Um, I think, I think people could learn from him and he's talking about learning from a lot of other people. Um, I, I think he's going to be one of those guys in the future that people should be looking to for, for some advice, for some help. Yeah. And it's, it's just the whole, the whole person with him. Like every guy we've talked to has been just a whole well-rounded person more than just the athlete that we kind of foresee. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of nice. Like they are just dudes. And the fact that they're willing to come and do this with us is enough to show that they're dudes and then they <laughs> they're doing their own thing and they are humans and there's all that human side element to it so always appreciate candy and his his perspective on things and where he's come from that d2 down in florida to just having a heck of a season last year in spokane too all right you're gonna notice let's let's take this up a notch it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch him do his thing so I don't know. Has there really been anything that's happened, Tyler, in the Rockies <laughs> news? I don't. I, I, I know it's been. Why we're doing it's this. been the least positive, least exciting of what forty-eight hours in in team history. Uh, really, just a slump. Uh, All right, so maybe maybe that's maybe that's the episode. Yeah. Are we done? Like we trying yeah, to do this bi-weekly, weekly? Like I think we're done. Let's just. I mean, I th- yeah, I just don't think there's ever going to be anything more to talk about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, is there? So. Right, like, see, we got there. We got to the segue. Todd Helton's a Hall of Famer, and it's freaking awesome. And it, it was bound to happen. It got a little sketchy there at the end with fifty-five percent of the votes in. He still needed to keep that certain threshold of the unanimous votes. But yesterday, about six fifteen, six twenty, Todd got the call. It was all being broadcast. We all we all found out that Todd Helton is a Hall of Famer, and. We talked a little bit about it on the chat and maybe we just kind of do our part here is like, what does this mean to you? And kind of how did you react? And I'll go first while you kind of get your thoughts in, in place there. But like for me, I'd, I wasn't I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal for me. It's like, all right, cool. Todd got in and then I'm watching it. My kids are doing kid stuff and they were safe. They were they were they were being watched. They were in the perifs. And I hear Todd gets the call. I actually freaked out because they said this player finished, played his whole season, whole career with one team. I was like, yes, let's go. Joe Maurer, you are a Hall of Famer. I'm like, no. And then I had no idea. And then they did the same thing with Todd. It's like, let's go. I was like freaking out. It's like my son comes in. It's like, what happened? What happened? Who are we rooting for? What happened? Like a Colorado Rocky just got in the Hall of Fame. Like this never happens ever. And it's awesome. He finally got the recognition. He's like, oh, that's so cool. And it just kind of happened. And it was like I was smiling. I didn't do the whole tears of joy type thing but i was i was way more excited way more thrilled about it than i thought and then i reflected on why it's like i think because todd was my first baseball hero he was the first guy on my my favorite player on my favorite team that i got to watch kind of at the beginning i was 10 i don't think you were even a thought yet but (laughs) (laughs) i was i was around 10 years old starting to get into baseball playing little league doing my thing and he was that guy then he was there always and then you know the moment the statue moment to him being around now like it's all come full circle and i didn't think it meant anything to me but it does as a grown-ass man and it's kind of (laughs) cool like it's pretty dope and i i I love it i i was excited for larry but i was like all right cool but todd like i don't know it brought something out of me that i didn't know i was really holding in well yeah i mean this was that experience that and we've already had some some talks in our in our group chat about who's next. It makes you feel so grateful 
that uh, I mean, I I wish I got to see more of his, of his prime. I you know my good baseball years started as as Helton is you know leaving his prime, um, and, but even being able to to see him and appreciate that legacy while he still played, uh, you know, something that that we definitely take for granted as baseball fans. I mean, we saw I forget who who tweeted it out today that um, now the Rockies have more Hall of Famers than like eight teams or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they have more guys mind. with that yeah. CR cap than, than a handful of teams. So, so we've absolutely been pretty lucky. Uh, it's, it's crazy and, and almost a bad idea to be thinking about who's the next one. Cause it is such an honor. You think about how long Todd played, how consistent he was uh, and his case as evidenced by what was it? His sixth year on the ballot took him six yeah. years to get in. Uh, and it, it, his production is just something that's not going to be matched really anytime soon by a Rockies player. Um, so, so definitely a bittersweet kind of thing. I, it shouldn't be, but it focus should be, you know, all on, on the positive side there, but um, definitely bittersweet to think, Hey, we got to see that guy. Um, and it makes you want to see greatness like that more often. Yeah. It makes you, <laughs> makes you wish the Nolan stuff would have turned out a little bit. Cause that was our, that was our part of our conversation too. But like Mike, what is it? What does it mean for you? Just having that second guy. It's cool to have it because um, I know the 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 Helton guy on Twitter. Do you guys know the Hall of Fame yeah. guy? Yeah. Been Fantastic legend. Yeah, a lot legend. Of, a lot of tweets went viral. He tweeted just the uh, baseball reference page of just chant of a Hall of Famer, and that just like kind of hit me because I'm 19, so I didn't really watch him play, <laughs> and I don't have that sentimental connection that you guys have. Um, maybe I went with like Nolan or like too low if he gets in he's probably not but yeah i don't to me it's not like emotional it's more like he said that he would rather lose with the rockies than win with anybody else which i think just like shows the kind of person how much he means to this city yeah and he only played here there's no other team that can claim todd helton he's ours like he's he only played here it's awesome yeah there was no question which hat he was gonna wear and kind of his comments on the possible the possible uh, Boston Red Sox trade and how he was very grateful that didn't actually go through and what happened. So it's, it was pretty cool. It's cool. I love that. So, I mean, who, who's next? <laughs> is there, <laughs> is there anybody that we're watching right now that any ties to the Colorado Rockies, we are bringing Nolan to into that fold. Like, are we there? Are we are we I a mean, powerhouse at the Hall of Fame? I mean, Nolan, we, we we're kind of having some. Um, we we're trying to bridge the the gap between whether he Excellent. was or wasn't with Nolan. I, I personally think he's going to be a slam dunk, assuming that you know he can give a few more quality seasons. He's got that Gold Glove streak. Uh, the, really, the one question with Nolan is like, what hat is he going to wear, and why is it going to break yeah. our hearts? Because uh, it's <laughs> it's good. We we already know. Uh, he's going to go out in this real positive light with St. Louis and however many years it is, or even his contract expires and he plays a couple years elsewhere. Like he's going to be so far removed from his Colorado career. Right. That's, that's the sad part about that one. Um, otherwise, yeah. I mean the, the Tula one, I was close to making a tweet about it today. I think he's one of the most talented baseball players of the last 20 years. Yes. Uh, he debuted in 2006. If you, if you look back to when he debuted, I mean, I don't know if you can find like 10 or 15 guys that are better than him from a talent perspective. And that one just hurts so much because, you know, and, and yeah, Lewis had a had a nice tweet today pointing out that wins above replacement pace was above Jeter, way, way above Jimmy Rollins. Yeah, Jimmy and Rollins. 
just he didn't get to he didn't get to showcase that in the way that you know baseball would have would have really needed. Yeah, it's those injuries hurt, and just the longevity of the career wasn't enough. And I was having that conversation with a buddy. It was so. What is a Hall of Fame career? Right. Like if you think Tulo and in his career, he was fantastic pretty much all the way through minus the last few years, maybe as a blue Jay or whatever, but like his career was top notch. Right. But no career milestones, no big milestones. You saw the war, you 99.9% Derek Jeter. He was still better than him in a 162 game pace, but he didn't have the postseason. He didn't have, the clutch. He didn't have the captainism. He didn't have the Yankee thing to it. So, <laughs> but that hurts his case to get into the hall. Like his career is fantastic. I'm, and I'm not saying Tulo shouldn't necessarily be a hall of famer, but like, what is a hall of famer? It can, it can be taken so many different ways. And it's kind of a fun conversation when you start diving into kind of the nuances of it. Like, why isn't Gary Sheffield? Why, why didn't he get in? Like he, he'll probably get in next year when they do the veterans vote, but he, like, why wasn't he like at all? It's just I mean, weird. It's so weird I, to think I, about. I love trying to apply and I'm, I'm someone who I, I definitely want to look at that longevity, the career accumulation, but I also am always here for an argument of someone trying to just say, Hey, this guy was really special to me. Like you see those bias votes and some of them are just heinous or right. it is like a, you know, I know there was the Philly, the Philly guy who voted for Rollins and Utley and like two other guys. That's, that's not Okay. But if you're going to vote for like eight or nine guys and one of them is like, you know, for us Rockies fans is Matt Holiday. Because what's crazy is when you look at the stats, Matt Holiday is like somewhat fringe Hall of Fame and he's never going to be on the ballot ever again. Um, and so part of that doesn't sit right with me that he had a an incredible career. Again, fringe Hall of Fame, um, you know, by some metrics. I think he was close to that 50, 50 wins above replacement is usually what people are thinking you know, that's like Hall of Fame territory. He was right there. He was, he was, you know, I think like 46 or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's off the ballot. Like, it's kind of crazy that we are so driven right now by that career accumulation. But there's some some talents that the talent itself just deserves to be recognized. Um, and, of course, that's not going to apply all the time. Right. Um, but I, Troy Tulowitzki's case A of that, like, yep. insane talent. I think Troy Tulitsky, Jacob DeGrom, like Jacob DeGrom is not going to be Hall of Famer, <laughs> but dude, man, his, his stuff was nasty and he should be talked about. So however, the Hall of Fame has been there. I've, I have not had the privilege to get out to Cooperstown. So it's going to be, I would love to see how they kind of do that. How do they recognize those kind of players, the Hall of Good players, so to speak, or the players that were dominant, but just didn't have a long, long career about it. Like Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and it very... <laughs> great player but he was there forever and very kind of slightly above average and here he is so like what are we what is the threshold and how does that change as like these old journalists that don't follow baseball anymore don't get a vote and we get these younger guys and the people that are following these new waves of baseball how does that change things as we go forward it's it's just gonna be fun interesting the the dialogue the banter so to speak is always going to be there it's going to be fun so Nolan obviously is probably the next up and then we're all going to be crying. Is he a Rocky or a Cardinal or a Yankee when he goes and wins three or, <laughs> or a, I'm, a, Dodger. a Dodger? Yeah. I meant to say yeah, Dodger, not a Yankee. Yeah. We, that's inevitable, but that's, that is what it is. But 
we have two two Rockies in the Hall of Fame, and it's going to be fun going going forward, seeing what might come of some other players. Let's talk prospects. So let's let's highlight Hunter Goodman for a little bit. Our hi- prospect highlight of the of the week is brought to you by Daily Controls. Is that Daily Controls LLC is that industrial automation controls engineering company that is excited to provide and apply its 12 plus years of experience in the automation and robotics industry. Still don't know what it means, but he'll do it and he'll fix it. We got the logo up. Oh, Mr. Daly is going to love that. I've been asking this man for this logo for so long and I finally got it. We just needed to up our production. So He's just too busy working is why he hasn't got me the logo. And I truly do mean that. I'm not just saying that. He, he is a busy man doing his thing as a family man and working and traveling, going through his thing. So reach out to Daily Controls for all your automation needs. He's the only one that is allowing Mike to do that right now. So thank you, Add Money. So thank you for that. Hunter Goodman is that highlight, uh, high, prospect highlight. Just a dog. is so, so much fun to watch. 30-plus doubles and home runs last year. 100 plus RBIs across the minor leagues, went to AAA, just completely dominated. Friend of the pod, just a fantastic dude, just insane. Tyler, what do we expect from him in 2024? What is his ceiling, so to speak, as we are preparing for February coming up and spring training hits? I mean, I think you got to start by just kind of disclaiming that his floor this season and his ceiling are like so far apart. You think about that positional kind of log jam. You've got a first base out the corner outfield and and there's just so few plate appearances to go around. So for that reason, you know, his, you don't know what his floor is exactly, but if he's able to secure that regular role, I mean, we know this is a, that binge home run guy. He's also just kind of a consistent home run guy. He might have his stretches where he's hitting under 200, but you can bet in that stretch. A couple of those hits are still going to be home runs. Uh, so it, his ceiling is probably a 25, 30 home run guy. If he can secure, uh, you know, pretty regular opportunity with the club, but that is so in question. I wish it wasn't, I wish he could get, uh, kind of that play five, six times a week kind of role. Right. Just so hard to imagine that that, that does come to fruition. Um, but yeah, what a, That's- what a dog with the, the stick, man. He can. He can crush. Still have no idea how he does it with that giant ass leg kick of his. But <laughs> Hunter, do you good man? Uh it's it's gonna be interesting. He is the starting right fielder, so to speak, right now on the depth chart on the Rockies resource, fangrass resource. Does he I think he will be on the 26 man roster opening day? Whether he's playing first DH right, I'm not quite sure. Is he getting the Montero treatment? I'm not quite sure. I just think that flexibility, the emergency catcherism that comes with it, there's a lot of value that goes unnoticed, but allows Buddy to tinker and do Buddy things. And just the potential to do that. I get worried that it is he getting the yo-yo effect like we saw with a few players last year. So I'm going to go on record that he's going to be on the opening day roster, but I don't know if I would give him 50 plus at bats by the end of April. I don't, I don't, I, it's, it's, he is such a unique case. I don't know what's going to come of him. I mean, I just think it's tricky to think that you have Eloris Montero and you have Sean Bouchard, who the three of those guys together would be very redundant 
And right. it, it's someone is kind of going to get shorted out of that because obviously you have Chris Bryant and Charlie Blackman who are going to soak up a lot of the first base and DH opportunities. Uh, Nolan Jones in, the, in another corner. Like just those three guys become so redundant in a with a team that doesn't really have the opportunity for that redundancy. So I could see him being the AAA guy. Montero doesn't have options. Bouchard, I think, does, but Bouchard is is also a little bit older, and I, I think that's sort of me where it comes yeah. down to is Bouchard and, and Goodman, and their skill sets are pretty similar. Bouchard's more head over power. Goodman clearly the the power guy, but in terms of the overall like ability to contribute, they're pretty similar. And it's going to come – I hate when it comes down to the, you know, month right. of spring training. You're kind of messing around – not messing around, but you're not taking this like you would a regular MLB game. And that's the stuff that's going to make the, the decision in the end is who's going to, you know, strive in, in spring training and who's going to have the Nolan Jones spring training of last year where it's like, wait, is, what did we do with that trade? Right. Um, one of these guys is probably going to do that and unfortunately – not get that their fair shot until something you know mandates they they come up yeah it's that's we talked a little bit about that last week i don't know if you got a chance to listen to Noah and i talk about but some of the storylines that we're kind of excited to see play out in spring training what are we kind of watching and the big one for me was the starting p- pitching like who is the four five six seven guy and how does that kind of work itself out but i think we have to be careful and watch the bouchard montero goodman back i don't know back end of the chris bryant and chuck kind of competition it's gonna <laughs> february is important march march and february are gonna be important when they shouldn't be but they're gonna be just kind of people fighting for their spots and we'll see what comes up and hopefully jerks and profar are signed by then so we don't have to worry about <laughs> but i mean well, and you also have to worry about i'm not worried i don't want to he's not the big scary guy i mean he's he's big but mike tolia is yeah. also hanging around in name. that yeah. where he's the guy who's going to get the benefit of the doubt. Former first-round pick. Bill Schmidt loves his first-round picks. He, They are not going to – I mean, he is a Bill Schmidt first-round pick. He is the guy that Bill Schmidt yeah. was the one who made that decision. Like He no longer is like that heavy influencer in the draft. So his first-round pick, he's going to give him a huge leash. He – like totally – it makes it kind of a square – You've got a nice love square, uh, yeah. In a, and it, it's just I forgot about Togs. It's a little messy, so it is messy. But and, rooting for Hunter Goodman because I do. I think the ceiling with Goodman is, it, I mean, him and Montero. I think similar. Yeah. I think the power unlocks so much in the ceiling. Goodman could break thirty home runs. That makes him, you know, higher regarded to me than uh, Bouchard and and totally. I don't think is quite in there league right now until further notice so we got to be just rooting for goody yeah and our bias will show and he's our guy so we need your mom's favorite player to be out there and i just want drew goodman to say it on the broadcast just once yeah so then the rockies need some power they need some power coming into that lineup there's so many options but just who's gonna take advantage of it when they are allowed to actually go out there and eat so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out one thing we're also trying to do with this production thing is to get more involvement from the community, the fans, the the Blake Street banterisms, banterites. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> but on Spotify, they have a cool little thing where we can ask questions and get a response. And most of the time, nothing actually happens. But we got one, Tyler. 
we got one mike people are recognizing us a little bit andrew answered our question so huge shout out to andrew thank you big dog thank you question was is chase nolander debut in 2024 Again, we talked about that a little bit last week. Does it happen? I say yes. I think he's going to get that late September cup of coffee call up to kind of figure out what the major league kind of things are. And Andrew says, no, I think 2025. Too many guys to rule out in front of him. Rock, Feltner, McMahon, Rollison. If he ever gets healthy. Is he wrong or is he right, Tyler? I mean, I, I don't want to put this juju out there. But the last Rockies first round pick, who was a pitcher that you said was going to debut in the current year, got Tommy John surgery like a month later. So I don't want the energy back out there. Uh, Gabriel Hughes, there was some some talk on this show that he was going to debut yeah. last year. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to say 2025. Uh, from a from a just my <laughs> trying to be reasonable way yeah. all the the options i think 2025 makes sense since he hasn't debuted yet it'd be pretty nuts if the rockies had a guy debut and like debut in the pros and in the major leagues in the same season i think he's gonna start high a could make quick work of that it probably will spend most of the year at double a um i mean with the way that that system works out for them you don't really want to throw him in triple a so it, it almost makes sense right. to just let him let him just bask in the success and at first in high a, and then hopefully in double a as well. I think he'll finish there and, and be in the mix for that 2025, like opening day rotation. That's sort of my, my hot take with that is you can kind of look at him as a pencil. him in as like the fourth or fifth starter in 2025. Yeah. And I completely hundred percent agree with everything you said. And for that reason is why I think he gets that September call up. <laughs> if that makes any sense again, they did it with Noah Davis. They took him to LA with them to end the last week or so. And he got a, got into a game. And I, I just think that he is part of that near future. So I think they're going to give him that thing. So that's one to watch for. We're going to do that. Last year was Zach Veen as that guy. I think, I think Dolander is going to be that guy coming up next it's going to be fun. It's so much talent kind of right there on the cusp and what they do with it. It makes me wonder like they rush Carl like that though. Remember when they did that and yeah, that didn't go very well quite, in 2021, yeah. but it was going really well for Gabe Hughes last year who had one bad or one bad outing in Hartford and then did pretty well before going to get TJ and he was making that thing. So it's, it's, it's the Rockies try it or they're trying to do it, but are they too, I don't know, does history repeat itself in a good way or bad way? It'll be interesting to see how they do that with Dollander, who is a top 100, top 61 prospect, according to BA. Um, old friend coming back? So yep. Yep. really wish I knew what more about this and trying to get in some contact with some people that might be able to kind of enlighten us. But Tony Walters, officially retired, made a awesome post on on his instagram thanking him and announcing his retirement announcing that he was accepting a role with the rockies in a coaching role but we have no idea what that looks like for me completely on board with it bring in tony walters a fantastic dude just he he has his statue built that hit in 2018 like that's a statue that we can put out there next to todd <laughs> and when he he gets his statue just how do what do you what do you think his role might be? Kind of speculate on how 
how he is involved with the Rockies. I mean, this this is like one of those you see with a lot of players where um, they – I don't want to call this a favor because I, I think there's a lot more to it than that. But they get their shot at the at the kind of the bottom. And I don't know if he's even going to be the – because he's supposed to coach like the Arizona Complex League. Like he's probably just going to spend time in Arizona at the facility, whoever's there, you know, mm-hmm. do some work. I don't know if he's even going to be like the ACL manager. He's There's a chance he's going to hold some other coaching role there. It's more of a general coaching role in the system. Um, but I I definitely like it. He They called him papers for a reason. Like he's a prepared guy. He's smart. You also just love catchers in, in the coaching room. You know, we got yeah. Mike Redmond as the bench coach. But they know pitching and they know – I mean, they know catching and they're supposed to know a little bit about hitting – um, you know, that's not always the, the case with catchers being good hitters, but he there's versatility in their knowledge. And so for that reason, I'm a big fan. And everything that we know about him is that he is a smart and prepared guy. Also the coolest, nicest seeming guy. So yeah. checks a lot of boxes for, for, you know, a potential baseball coach uh, at any level, really. So happy to see the Rockies bring a guy like that. And you can really never have enough good baseball minds around. Yeah. And, and again, a hundred percent agree with what you said. And they've done this with Jordan Pacheco, who I would say had a pretty solid season in 2023 doing his thing down there. Uh, Scott Oberg, another friend of the pod has, he's in a part-time role with the Rockies kind of going here and there, helping pitching when they need to. So I can see kind of Tony Walters doing a part-time engaging when he needs to, Hey, go check on Drew Romo, Braxton Fulford, go see, work with them for a little bit on a kind of a one-on-one basis and see what kind of comes up that. I can kind of see him floating in that kind of realm. The ACL thing. I didn't even think about what being in the complex leagues and working with the young, young guys coming up or rehabs and that kind of stuff. That's, that was an interesting thought. I like that. So Tony Walters part, he's back. He's here just Rocky's doing Rocky thing. Like I was going to scream nepotism. Like you kind of said favor, but I don't know if we are really there with this. Like it kind of, kind of has a little bit of a tone of that, but I don't know if this is necessary that I think Tony Walters is really worth his, his weight in water, so to speak with that. It's a happy marriage. I would say. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's finish it with our prospect talk. So, we, we're going to try to highlight a position player group or two at the end of our pod. We're going to try to do more mini banter sessions, so to speak. You can kind of get a highlight, a kind of pre- sneak preview there about what we're about to talk about. But the starting pitching of the prospects in the system, we're going to give our kind of our top five guys that we're excited about. And if your first time here, me and Tyler do think about prospects a lot differently. He's a little bit more of the, the numbers guy, the upside guy, the, what does all the scouts and bring all that in? My stuff is what have you done for me lately? Where, where it's kind of your, your, your threshold, like what's your pedigree, so to speak. And then how close are you going to get to the big leagues and taking all that into account? And so we're going to give us your, give you our five starting pitching. So, Tyler, who's your number one guy? Yeah, we spent, and I, I, I know we're, we're in alignment on this. We spent some time already with Chase Dollander. It's just, he's different. It's it's kind of some John Gray. And John Gray, 
I don't know if he fully panned out as like a top of the first round, like number three overall pick. He certainly didn't not pan out. Uh, but Chase Dollander is in that same like territory in terms of talent. I think mm-hmm. there's more potential with Dollander. I'm not sure he's gonna you know, be better than John Gray. That's that's a bit bold to say right now. But he's a guy with four pitches. Uh, he had an insane 2022 season, like one of the best we've seen in college baseball in quite some time. I like there's there's so much to love there, and the Rockies desperately need a like a number two starter, and in their by their standards, it would be a number one starter. He is that guy, like arguably the best pitching prospect they've had from a raw pieces standpoint, um, at least since John Gray, at least since Gray. So just so much to be excited about there. I would, I want to see him pitch. That's all. Like we didn't get to see him last year. I was hoping for like one appearance in the yeah. complex league, but clearly they had some mechanical stuff they wanted to work on with him. Um, I know. Uh, yeah. We posted, I forget what, what article it's in on our website, <laughs> but I pointed out some of those mechanical things that uh, we were able to pick out that, just clearly made it less clean. And if they, if the Rockies can get him back to where he was in 2022, like he's going to be like a top 25 prospect in by mid season. Like I really believe that it is such a great arm. So that is our number one. (laughs) Yeah. And I completely agree. It's he's close. Like he's already close and we haven't been able to say that about anybody. And just as long as he stays healthy, he's doing his thing and making those adjustments. It just it's gonna be fun. I, I agree. I think you said earlier he'll probably start in high Spokane and then make his way quickly to Hartford. I think that's kind of the what I'm thinking. Probably mid May he'll be in Hartford and we can actually watch him and do his thing as a yard goat there. He's gonna be so much fun. He's gonna be talked about a lot by everybody, not just in Rocky circles. And that's yeah. I mean, people are gonna exciting. say like, how did we let that guy drop the nine? I hope at least. Yeah that it's going to be like, how do we let this guy drop to nine when he was a, you know, a consensus top three, top four pick going into the season. Yep. Steal, steal, stolen from everybody. Love it. My number two guy is going to be Joe rock. It's you've heard me say it probably a few last time me and Tyler talked. I love Joe rock, the big lefty stuff, but his, he left 70% of batters on base last year, which I think Jared Candy left 80%, so which is even more insane. But he did that at the double A. He was spent all season at double A, battled injuries here and there, had to figure out like coming back off of that and doing his thing. The 12 strikeout performance he had, Yargo's record, had 10.8 strikeouts per nine, 27% strikeout rate. There's that's a fun conversation. I might want to pick your brain on next time is what's the difference between K per nine and strikeout percentage and which one's kind of more important. That's been going around, but both of his numbers are solid. I believe near above a 25% strikeout percentage is a good rate to have. Um, and it's just again, you have that big lefty strikeout guy that we just haven't seen in so long and he's he's a dog he's he's an absolutely psycho on the on the mound which is exactly what you want and he's a friend of the pod bias go back there a few few years ago we had him on for a little bit it's just i'm really excited about just the big arm potential kind of like the dollander thing there's just that big arm so much future with it how can we hone that in? And if we can have 10 strikeouts, 
eight to 10 strikeouts, which would be lovely out of your four or five star starter. That's just not something we've had in so long. And I want that. He is still, he's still so like lanky almost like there's, there's something there to grow into. At least I'm, we can all hope. Um, He's for me, he's a guy. He's at, he's basically my number six. I don't know. I couldn't pick between him and Palmquist. Um, I think it's almost for me that he, he hasn't grown into his body more. It's like, is he going to? That's sort of my question. That's why mm-hmm. I'm at six. Um, so my my number two remains Gabe Hughes. We've alluded to him, talked about him a good bit already. Uh, it's just that there's a reason that he was their first round pick. The Rockies clearly, you know, jumped the gun on that one. But if you know the draft in, in baseball is a lot different. They, it was not just a pure. We think this is the the tenth guy, best guy in the draft. Uh, but he he was a first round pick for a reason. It's it's yeah. just one of those power arms with a lot of other boxes checked that you don't see very often. Like we're in this day and age of baseball where people, you know, throw around like, Oh, at this point throwing mid nineties, is not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal for a back of the bullpen type of guy, but for starting pitchers to sit in the mid nineties is still really impressive. There's just not that many guys doing it. Um, the the mid nineties get label gets thrown around on guys who are like 92 to 95, but Hughes is like 93 to 97. Um, he, yeah. he has that legit big arm. There's a lot of upside still to unlock. He was a, a smaller program guy that didn't need to do as much with his stuff, uh, to get by at Gonzaga. But, uh, here in the pros, I'm, I'm really excited. It was such a pain that he had to get Tom John. Yeah. Um, we're seeing a lot of flashes, bat missing stuff, pretty good command. And then of course, just the power. So him and Dollander, uh, you know, the, you could question the Rockies approach and especially in the Hughes pick and kind of jump in the gun there, but Getting those two really power arms to head your your pitching, uh, you know, for the next however many years, I, I I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, the Gabe Hughes is my number four, so I'm going to talk about him just on that. He was he was doing cool things, like he was making that fast trajectory up, like he was already at Hartford by mid June, and doing his thing. He his his ERA, you go look at it, it's terrible. Like it was seven plus on the whole season at all spots. He got blown up in a few outings at in Spokane, just just wasn't able to kind of get out of those big blow-ups. But we saw that with a few other people in Spokane too. And then but his XFIP was a four five. So there's there is something there that could be potentially unlocked with the big big arm, big strikeouts that come with it. And I saw him in person. And he's he is <laughs> built different as the kids speak. Like there was like even as like a first year pro, and he there he looked like a professional athlete, which there's something to that too. And so just being that guy in that pedigree, that's he's gonna be he's gonna be part of that rotation too. Him, Dollander, like you said, it's they're gonna be good arms to see. Like Hartford next year at some point, <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> like I know we talked about it the same thing last year with the dog, but like Dollander rock might be there. Gabe Hughes, Palmquist got to imagine Vargas might be there after TJ. Like it's, it's we talked about it a a lot last year about like, where do they put all these guys? Like we hyped up the pitching so much last year and I don't think it performed to our expectations, but it's hard to imagine this year. You throw like you throw Dollander, I'll save the the next guy I was about to say a couple other pitchers in those, those mid rounds that are like really solid prospects. And you add that to 
a group that's largely unchanged. It's not like the Rockies brought up prospects and like they're no longer prospects. Yeah. That prospect group is the same, and you just added a handful more of really, like really good pitching prospects. You can throw in Anthony Molina in the Rule Five. Like they added a lot of of guys. I don't know where the well Molina has to be in you know the big leagues, but that pushes another guy down the the depth chart. So mm-hmm. there's just so much kind of so much going on there. Um, right. A lot of excitement. Um, and I'll hit my number three. You mentioned him, uh, Jordi Vargas. Got that that TJ wall and uh, I think he was in Fresno this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, just he's someone who's gotten a ton of national attention. I know at some point Fangraphs had him as a top 100 prospect overall. Mm-hmm. Just projectable, live arm. Uh, it's a big fastball, and and I, I think it's he throws a curveball that uh, has just gotten so much praise. And it's hard not to be excited about a guy who's so young. Uh, you know, succeeding against older pro talent like he's he's younger than the college age guys at least when he was healthy younger than college age guys and just already doing it so there's there's a lot of upside with vargas and as you said at the beginning of this i'm a i'm a big upside guy as you'll see in the the next couple picks i have here um so yordi vargas he's a still a bit of an unknown since he hasn't faced you know that that high a definitely hasn't of course hasn't faced double a yet but just that's an arm to dream on if if he can really physically develop and then and have that you know pitching development, learning how to pitch a little bit more and, and refining things. Yeah, I remember we talked to Stephen Rice at the end of last season, and he was big on Vargas and his development as a pitcher as he was going through his first full professional season. And it's the stuff was there. I mean, you watch his outings; they weren't it wasn't always great. But from Stephen Rice, who was watching him every single day, he was seeing those minor adjustments on how to become an actual pitcher at that pro level, which is huge for an 18, 19 year old to do. Uh, my number three is Carson Palmquist. Pretty much everything I echoed as Joe rock is he kind of came out of nowhere, which I'm a huge fan of. I wasn't, nobody was really expecting Palmquist. At least I didn't feel like it doing his thing in Spokane last year, the big strikeout numbers, like it was like 10. He was doing double digits often which is kind of unheard of at the minor league level and spokane had had those dogs big big offensive numbers up there too so like there are hitters in that high a spot and just the different kind of lefty like i would love to see joe rock on a thursday and a carson palmquist on a friday and just see how batters are adjusting to the two different lefties same nasty stuff but different arm slots and i just the Palmquist coming out of nowhere, there's a reason for that. So I'm I'm gonna be watching a lot of Palmquist this year too. Just I think I'm a fan of strikeouts, but that might be part of it. But Palmquist is my number three to just be excited about. When he gets a for me, gets a lot of a boost having pitched well in double A. I mean it was it was limited time, but the strikeouts remained, his yep. walks didn't spike. ERA is, is of course gonna increase a little bit. But a four-four-three as a twenty-two-year-old, getting a ton of strikeouts, limiting walks, like it shows that that's a big league pitcher, and and you can't say that about a lot of these guys. Uh, but once they really hit Double A, show they've got it. It's, you can say, okay, big league pitcher. Uh, what kind of role is to be determined? And and the reason I have him, he's my my seven. Uh, he and and Rock were my kind of honorable mentions. I think there's definitely some reliever risk that he ends up as more yeah. of a bullpen guy with that funky 
uh, approach to to the hitters. Uh, he only has three pitches and only uses two to each side. So definitely some reliever look to him. But like he's gotten by as a starter in some difficult environments. So I, I think that's a really good pick for you to, to throw in there in the middle. Yeah, and I wouldn't be mad at throwing a Carson Palmquist in the seventh inning, like just to get to get three <laughs> it's, quick outs and just yeah. do and be that out that out guy, like going Jaden Hill with that too. Like there's it's not a terrible thing if you're thinking of big league future stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's a weapon in some way. Um, you know, whether yeah. that's a back end starter or that yeah, late inning guy. Um, he's he was a great find. Uh, I'll jump to my four. Another, I think, fits this mold super well. Sean Sullivan, uh, he was the the Rockies' second pick this past season at a Wake Forest. A lot of similarities to Palmquist. So I might mm-hmm. sound like a hypocrite for putting Sullivan <laughs> up there and not Palmquist, right? but Sullivan just was ridiculous in college. Like it was one of the cleanest seasons we've seen in the last couple seasons heading into the draft. It's a big reason why he jumped kind of from nowhere into being. A, a high second round pick. He had a 2.45 ERA at, at Wake Forest, and then he jumped into the pros. And it, I think this was just really funny. Allowed one base runner in four innings, and he struck out ten guys. Jesus. Like he showed very quickly in the at the professional level. Like yeah, this is not like gonna be very fun for hitters. Uh, and he's <laughs> a lot of similarities to Palmquist and kind of the funkier lefty uh, approach. He's, Three pit, three pitch guy, kind of that two and a half pitch guy. Like sometimes they'll throw his third pitch to the to one side, and and you know it, it's it's a limited arsenal, but there's enough there that I, I think he is going to be a starter. Uh, there's there's some upside for the Rockies to unlock there. I think that's why he ended up a second round pick. Um, he's he's up at, up there at the top of the list of guys I'm most excited to see this pat that this coming season. Um, he could end up a top 100 prospect at some point if he Ooh. continues to dominate like he has, you know, and his, it was four innings, but it was four innings <laughs> showing like I'm going to shred people. <laughs> I mean, 10 of your 12 professional outs are strikeouts. So that that should take notice. Like that's a really high percentage. <laughs> that's really awesome. It's going to jump off the page. Absolutely. My number five guy, and if you've listened to us for a little bit, you, you already kind of know where I'm going is Connor Stain. I, I don't. You, you probably talk about the pitchability and all the things that he kind of brings to the table. It's there's just something about him. He's he's got that dog in him. He's very fluid motion, very easy motion, very it seems repeatable, which I know is a fancy word that like scouts like to use. But just what he was doing at the end of last year to get there from June 24th to the end of the season, nine games, he only had one game that had more than one walk. Five of those games, nine were zero walks and four with one. Like he only had one game with three walks, which is crazy. And then the other thing, which is I think is huge in the Cali League, that he only allowed one multi-homer game all season. Even with all of his struggles at the beginning of the season, even with his inability to get through to the fourth or fifth at the beginning, going through the lineup three or four times, two or three times, but he still wasn't giving up those walks. He still wasn't giving up those bombs, which I think just as an armchair analysis kind of guy, it's there's something to that. Like there is some kind of pitchability. There's some kind of pitcher in that, that kind of lessens the, the damage, so to speak, kind of go back to our conversation with candy, how he just wants to give his team the best possible chance to win. You kind of get that with Connor Stain, not putting people on, not giving up the long shot. And so 
there's stuff that can be worked there. And I'm really curious how that plays out. And just, I think the fluidity of his motion will kind of give him that longevity to see what he can really do at the double AA, a triple a level and see where he might be. He's a, he's a friend five starter long reliever in the end, but it's, there's just something I get excited when I see Connor Stain as the starting pitching. Yeah. I mean, hitting it on the head with the, with the smooth delivery, that's, what caught a lot of people's attention going into that draft season. And some people thought the Rockies got a big steal with him. And when you look at those end of season numbers, it, it kind of gives some, some credit to that, uh, that he might've been another kind of diamond and not diamond in the rough. Cause it was, they did not find him in the rough and he was pretty clearly a good prospect, um, but a good find for the Rockies. Um, kind of similar to me as a Jake Madden, someone he's my number five guy. A lot of arm talent. It's a pretty re- repeatable delivery. I think Stain has the, you know, feel for pitching that that Madden does not yet. But Madden, to to stick with my theme of upside, it is a ridiculously talented arm. Who he's consistently mid nineties. He's got an upper eighties changeup and slider. Like it's it's just stuff that you you see. Like if you were to go to the ballpark, um, you know, his his junior college and see this kid, you'd be like, whoa. Like mm-hmm. that is a, that's a pitcher. That is a super talented guy. He's just still so like skinny. Um, and he's already <laughs> in that, the you know, the mid upper eighties with the secondaries in the mid upper nineties with his fastball. He's someone I think could be like routinely in the upper nineties, like 96 to 98 and, and have that just devastating secondary combination. So Jake Madden, I will be dreaming about what Jake Madden uh, could be for the next couple of years and probably what, like if he doesn't pan out, I'll still be dreaming about what he could have been. Um, you know, I'll be <laughs> weird like that and, and dream about baseball players uh, developing, <laughs> but I, he's, he's one that I've, I haven't been as excited about the upside of a pitcher like him in this system in a really long time. It's just, there's so much he could grow into um, with, with his body and his arsenal. Yeah, and that's what makes this kind of stuff fun. We all kind of have our our little hidden gems that we want to root for and do their thing, and they have the skill set to kind of give us reason for that. Honorable mentions, you kind of mentioned yours throughout the thing. Your honorable mentions are mine. Mine, Jerry Candy, if you listen to our mini at the beginning, just the ability to go six innings consistently. He had had a string of six straight starts where he went six-plus uh innings in those most of his outings i think he had out of the 19 games i think six 15 or 60 of them were five plus had a little bit of a home run issue but he, he kind of talked about that and like what how he's adjusting it what but he had an 80 percent left on base percentage which it's just crazy high and his story is awesome he's somebody that again nice enough to talk to with with us but his just He's that kind of the guy you're kind of rooting for making forward going to that. I also, I had Vargas on my honorable mention and I'm, I'm kind of excited for Cox to see where he, he kind of comes back from Tommy John. Like again, what Steven Rice was saying about him and how he was just, he's like 19 throwing 90, 95 plus, and then still having that high spin rate. It's, it's going to be interesting. We don't have a lot of those high spin rate guys in the system. Him and Copay are two guys that I'm kind of serious at how they develop them and they kind of do that their thing. So it's just adding that extra element, that different stuff to it. Those are kind of other, some other names I'm kind of watching for as we go forward. 
Yeah, there's, there's, you could, we could go on and on. Um, so many high upside guys that they've added into the system. Think about the, they used to bring in a lot of guys through the draft that I think it was more about, hey, maybe we got ourselves like a, a middle reliever guy or like yeah. if all works out, he's a fifth starter. They have a lot of guys who are, who are like leaps and bounds better than that in their, you know, potential best case outcome. So, there's a new era kind of of the Rockies pitching prospects. And we, we haven't seen a lot of these guys reach the big leagues yet. Um, and it's, it's just going to start this year for the most part. So a lot mm-hmm. to be excited about on that front. Yeah. It's, and there's other names we haven't mentioned, like you said, we could keep going on and on, but I will say one more case Williams, friend of the pod. Yeah. So keep an eye on him as it's kind of be interesting to see what they do with him reliever starter. So those are our kind of starting pitching. to to watch, as we get geared up for spring training, they they're at the prospect camp this past week. Haven't seen any footage. Haven't seen really heard anything about. I've seen a lot of the stuff. The players are posting things from the complex and that kind of stuff, but not much more than that with how did it go? So hopefully we get some more information on that. Um, But I guess let's end it with this final question. Who is that? Who is that prospect that you want to see every as many starts as possible this year? Like watching TV, you you have that you have the opportunity just to tune in. Who are you watching? That starting pitching. I mean, I'll I'll eliminate Dollander from the equation because I, I think that's a yeah, quick, let's give, let's a give quick easy names. one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I probably would go. And you mentioned him, Case Williams. Just he's a guy who at certain points has looked fantastic and he did it again in the fall league uh i think he almost led the fall league in era yeah somehow left off of the the all-star roster which was kind of you know questionable as as a lot of those things go um (laughs) but he put it together out there he had some moments in double a he's gonna repeat that level you see a lot of guys repeat double a and then and then find their stride and Mm -hmm. i'm not even sure if he's he's not 22 yet so he pitched an entire season at double a and he was 21 years old. So uh, that's, that's a guy that I'm going to be kind of glued to as much as I can. I'm, I'm definitely rooting for him to, to find that big league success. Yeah. I, I love that pick. It's yeah. The friend of the pod stuff too. And he is so young. And so, and still he's been a professional for like four or five years. It'll be interesting. I want to say Michael Prosecki his name that we didn't even mention yeah. has big upside but he's going to be in Spokane probably. So I don't know how much I'm going to be able to see him, but if I was able to watch somebody be Michael Prosecki, then a part, probably a Carson Palmquest right behind him. And then Jared candy, of course, just again, I, I'm going to be able to watch candy for six innings, but the Prosecki effect, it's kind of big strikeout numbers, big, big right-handed arm. It's, but he's left-handed. He is left, they have is, a lot is he of left I thought, I thought yeah. there was one of them that was right-handed. Um, but it's it's going to be just his stuff is it's going to be something that is going to be out, something to watch. 109 innings pitched and twenty one out twenty one outings. So he is one of the few that pitched hundred plus innings too, which again is a big thing. I, th- I think he's going to be kind of that Carson Palmquist, that kind of hidden gem, so to speak, coming out of Spokane. Yeah, I think he should have gotten that call to Spokane, but we got a fun statistical year out of him. Just a lot of strikeouts, a lot of innings in one spot. Yeah. Uh, so I, I that's another one you got to definitely be keeping an eye on. 
Um, and, and again, we could go on with this. <laughs> yeah. Mike, give us one last name and we'll end it with that. It's a name you guys haven't said, Jaden Hill. Um, gets injured every year, man. I think he has so much <laughs> potential. I think he's, you guys talked about 100 pitches, 100 innings pitched per season. I don't think he's reached that combined the past four years. I think I he's think just been combined college and pros. Yeah. I don't, I think he's 140 combined college and pros in like five years. So he gets injured every time, but he has like the potential. Sky's the limit for him. I think this is kind of like his last year to get a lot of innings logged, especially because, I mean, we're running out of years with him. So, yeah. I mean, he's a big right hander. I mean, strikes out guys, but he pitches like 16 innings every year so let's get him i don't know i think he's gonna be in fresno so i'll watch him yeah he'll he'll, he'll probably be in spokane hartford i i think i might be speaking for you i don't i don't think he's a starter i don't think he starts one game this year i maybe tyler disagrees but i don't think Jaden hill gets a start i think okay. he's a reliever I'm so swayed to like, I, cause I want him to start. I, yeah. I don't know. It's I, it just, yeah, it is. It is some of the best pure stuff in the system. So definitely a name that, that does deserve to be mentioned. Yeah. Um, started all this past season at Spokane, but then Arizona fall league, you saw this new thing to try him as a bullpen guy. Just if they can kind of find some of these issues and iron them out, like hit that man as a starter. Let's even though that's yeah. going to, make the durability come into question a little more. Like he is so much upside. It's so much upside. I saw on Instagram, he was working with out with AJ Lewis on, on their Instagram. So he's got, he's got a good workout buddy too. Uh, so yeah, that's a good name. I like that name drop. Let's end it with that. I don't, I, I don't think we're coming back next week. We're going to keep it bi-weekly till spring training with the, the road to Blake street stuff, but maybe we figure something out. Just keep keep following us. Keep sharing the word. Keep interacting with us. Uh, the Helton thing helped. Got got some word out. We're gonna try to get some more banter sessions in the works. So getting to know some of the players behind the scenes. So nobody does it like us, but we're gonna do things a little bit different and keep following along with us. As always, go rocks, minor league affiliates. Woo! Thank you for watching and listening. Please check out our link tree for more content.